0: Freedom from offense, and uh, it's a little bit different sermon. You know, we we like to preach about freedom from sin, and we like to worship. But it's amazing the life and the the world that we live in. How many people are offended? How many people have been hurt? How many people live a life that that is consumed by revenge or by hurt? And I know my audience today. Uh, I've been here long enough for you to talk to me. I've been here long enough for you to confide in me, and I realize that I'm not preaching out there. I'm preaching in here. That we all in our lives come to a place where we have been hurt, and, and some of that hurt tends to linger. In fact, it's amazing that uh, there's a hashtag that's trending on Facebook right now, hashtag church hurt, and it's, it's, it's uh it, it's becoming viral and it's people that are sharing their awful experiences within churches around the nation and and, and how uh, they don't ever want to go back to church. There's even a Facebook group called Church Hurt and I, I, I didn't want to tell you that because I don't want any of you to go join it but uh, it, it's just a time where, where people can vent and say how, how much they have been hurt and how much they have been uh, uh, wounded. But I have watched as it happened today. The last days are marked by offense. Matthew chapter 24 starting in verse 3. The Lord begins to talk and, and, and they, the, the disciples and those that gather around are saying, you know, you, you keep talking about the last days. You keep talking about the end of days. What exactly does that mean? And so the Lord said, well, this is going to be the sign. First off, don't let any man deceive you. There's going to be a lot that come in my name and they're going to say I'm the Christ and they'll deceive many. Don't, don't pay attention to them. Realize that even if a, an angel or even if a disciple comes and preaches any other gospel, let him be accursed. He said not only that, but you'll hear wars and rumors of wars. And while that naturally causes us to be anxious, don't be troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet near. And again, we hear that, just turn on CNN, turn on any news, watch any news, follow any news, and we see that. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Famines and pestilence and earthquakes and divers places, these are the beginning of sorrows. They'll deliver you up, talking about the disciples, talking about those that are going to follow Christ. They'll, they'll deliver you up to be afflicted, they'll kill you, you'll be hated of all nation for my name's sake. A lot of things happening, but then watch verse 10. Then many shall be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. I, I told the, those that before church that were gathered in the office, I said, you know, the Bible never ceases to astound me in its scope when you get past salvation and I don't mean that that we need to get past it but you know if all you ever look at the Bible is a Bible a word to to help save you from sin you're really missing out on the the grand scope of what the word of God says and means and when you begin to realize that the, the Bible even talks about being offended he says in the last days many shall be offended they'll betray one another they shall hate one another I am firmly convinced those three things are completely connected You're offended, so you get back. You betray others, and hatred abounds. Matthew chapter 18, Jesus' words, uh, look at verse 2 through 9. I'm not going to read it all, but he he talks about, except you become as a little child, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then he keeps going, if you offend one of these that believe in me, it would be better for him that a millstone, a big old rock, was hanged around your neck, and you're drowned. Then watch verse 7. Woe unto the world! Because of offenses For it must needs be That offenses come But woe to the man By whom the offense cometh What that teaches me And I don't, have a, I don't have a lot of time To get into it But what that means is First off You cannot escape offenses It's present But if you're the one That's being the offender You better take heed Luke chapter 17 It says a little bit differently, kind of the same thing. It's impossible, but that offenses will come. So I'm not living in some, you know, fairy tale utopia with unicorns flying around that says I can live my life and nothing ever touch me, nothing ever affect me. No, offenses will come. There's some... Warnings against it. Let me get this out of the way. I think it'd be foolish for me to preach about offense and not give you a few biblical warnings before I get into the meat of my sermon. Proverbs 18:19 says a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city and their contentions are like bars of a castle. I've, I've learned this in my own life, in my own relationships and interpersonal dynamics that, that if I allow myself to rise up and offend somebody and then later on I cool off and I'm okay, my brother's not. And, and it's harder to win them back because I offended them. They put up a guard. In fact, there's many of you today that are living in a castle. You're living under house, lock and key, and you have guarded your life in such a way because somewhere in your life you were offended and now you won't let anybody in because Proverbs says a man offended is harder to be won than a strong city. Jesus looked at his disciples on that last night before the, the, the Calvary's week began to start he, they sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, Matthew 26, and Jesus said, tonight all of you shall be offended of me. And you're going you're, you're, you're to scatter, you're going to go, and Peter said, huh, I'll never be offended. He had forgotten that it's impossible, but that offense has come. Jesus said, yeah, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. Peter, or, or, or rather Paul, Paul, in 1 Corinthians, he says, Give none offense. Don't offend the Jews. Don't offend the Gentiles. Don't offend the church of God. He said, even as I please all men and all things, not seeking mine own profit, but for the profit of many that they may be saved. Now, just so you know... Paul was not saying I, I, I just waffle back and forth and I don't take any stand and you know, that way I don't offend. It's not this political correctness that exists in our world today. That's not what Paul said. But Paul said in everything I do I'm careful that I don't offend somebody because my ultimate goal is that I might win them to Christ. And so I could preach and I could really throw the Jews under the bus but in doing so I would cause them to guard themselves. So I'm not going to do that. But Romans chapter 16, these are ju- this is not my sermon tonight, or this morning, but th- th- I just got to give you some of these verses in case you're here. But let me, earlier we talked about that it's impossible that offenses will come, but woe to him through they come. Romans 16 verse 17, now I beseech you brethren, mark them which cause defenses and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you've learned and avoid them. For they are such that serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and spare speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple. I know we're talking about doctrine right there, but I believe there's a secondary understanding that if you're one of those that cause division, if you're one of those that likes to offend people, beware. 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 Yeah. It's interesting because Jesus... He said in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 18. He said in the parable of the sower. Hear the parable of the sower. He said, the one that received the seed into stony places is the same that hears the word. And with joy receives the word. But yet he has no root in himself. But he endures for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended he dies offended I've watched so many people that started in the church and they they got the Holy Ghost they, they got rooted or, or at least I thought they were rooted and then something happens a offense comes and the first thing they do is they walk away and there it's like a, a, a you know a piece of grass that tried to grow in the middle of the asphalt it might grow for a moment but as soon as the summer heat comes as soon as the rain starts falling it withers up it dies and it's all because of offense I want to give you two stories to illustrate how dangerous it is to live a life ruled by offense these are negative stories but the outcome is still the same I was reading my, my Bible it's been months and months and months ago that, that I was in Matthew chapter 14 and you find that place where where John the Baptist is beheaded and, and we understand that. I mean, there's so much around that. But at this moment, as I read through it, God showed me something completely different in that that I, I would have never stopped to see. And John the Baptist was, you know, thinking that, that, that uh, 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 he, he, was, he was having a, a party. And John the Baptist had made some enemies of Herod and Herodus, his brother Philip's wife. Somehow, as far as I can tell, there had perhaps been an affair between Herod and, and, and his brother's wife or maybe he had taken her for a wife. There was, you know, it just wasn't kosher. It wasn't right the way that they were acting. And John the Baptist had told them, says it's not lawful, Herod, for you to take your brother's wife. And, and because of that, something began to birth inside of uh, uh, Herodus. So it was that when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodus began to dance before the company, and it pleased Herod. I want you to watch this. This is this is Matthew chapter 14. So she's dancing, and 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 Herod is approving of what's going on. She likes it. And so he looks at at, at this, this daughter and he makes the statement: I will give you anything you want. Now think about that. A king royalty, a ruler, he's wealthy, he's rich. She can have anything she wants. Seriously? You'll give me my own palace? You'll give me half the kingdom? You'll give me half the the, the reward? And you say, well, maybe he was speaking. No, I'll show you why he meant what he said. And so it was that he said, you can have anything you want. And so she went to her mother. And she said, Mom, this is an incredible opportunity that we have. We can have anything we want. What should I ask for? And Herodus said, ask for John the Baptist's head on a platter. Why? Because she was offended. And that offense created a bitterness in her heart that when she could have had anything her heart could desire, Never have to worry about money again. Never have to worry about anything again. She could have been wealthy beyond imagination, but the bitterness in her heart said, the only thing I crave is a dead man's head on a plate. John the Baptist, or or, or Herod, did not want to do that, but yet because he had promised, he had to take care of it. And so they cut John the Baptist's head off and on a plate they bring this dead man's head dripping blood to her and said, here is your heart's desire. And for a moment, Herodice's heart leaped for joy inside of her and she said, I got my revenge. Until the flies began to circle that head and the blood congealed and it began to shrink it's just not something you go put in your living room and i know the bible says the disciples came took the head they buried the body but but just what you do with that is after a while that feeling of revenge that that a bitterness it just it doesn't feel as good and so you just kind of toss it away and you put it and she missed her opportunity because of a life of bitterness I know these are negative stories. I understand very much that they're dealing with, with sinful nature. But, but I want you to see the correlation between offense and bitterness and revenge and, and how it brings someone down. In fact, if you look in, in 2 Samuel, you begin to find that, that uh, you know, David goes up on, a, on the rooftop and he sees, uh, he, he, he sees Bathsheba bathing. And and that 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 lust is kindled, that affair happens, the baby is 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 gonna happen and coming, and Nathan the prophet points his finger at him and he said, David, you're the man. And then he makes this this statement in, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 12, For what you did secretly, this is the Lord speaking, for what you did secretly, I will do this thing before all of Israel and the Son. David said, I've sinned against the Lord, but the Lord responded back to David and said, I, I, I will forgive you and you're not going to die, but the child that is going to be born shall die. Bathsheba has the baby. The baby dies. David prays that incredible prayer, that, 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 that repentance prayer that we've been going over, Psalms 51, and seems like everything's good. The problem is, a little bit later on, David had a lot of struggles in his life and his family. It all stems from some of this. Later on in the word of God, Absalom, his, his son, uh, conspires against David and, and, and a civil war of sorts breaks out. And David doesn't want to fight his son. And so David gathers his family that, that's not with Absalom and he goes away. And Absalom, you, you can begin to read it in, in verse 50, or chapter 15 and a few other places, that Absalom and 200 men from Jerusalem, uh, they, went, they, 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 they were offering sacrifice and he sent for Athithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor. And it was that, that, that Absalom finds David's own counselor and says, I need some counsel. I'm fighting with my dad. What should I do? And David's trusted counselor, Thithophel, says, here's what you ought to do. You ought to go to the top of David's palace. And, 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 and you ought to get all of David's concubines that were left. And, and, and I apologize for the harshness of this word, but I, I, it, it, it paints the picture. Just rape them on the top of David's palace. For everybody to see, it'll be a way that you can shame David. That's what Ephithophel said to, to Absalom. And the question begs to be answered, why would Ephithophel, David's counselor, choose to do this? And the answer that you begin to find is that Aphithophel was Bathsheba's grandfather. And because Bathsheba had been involved in that incestuous relationship, and and, and I know it takes two to tango, I'm aware of all of that, but somewhere Ephithophel said, you know what, look what you did to my family, and so here's what I'm going to do to your family. It goes on and on. It begins to happen. They give counsel, and finally, after a while, in chapter 17, Atithophel kind of realizes what he's done, and 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 the, the alliance that he had with Absalom isn't as great as he thought. And that revenge that he thought he was getting on David isn't as great as he thought. And the Bible ends Athithophel's life like this Athithophel went home and he hung himself. All because of bitterness and offense. And it begins to eat at you. And it begins to gather at you. And pretty soon all you can think about is how can I get even? And you can't seem to let anybody in. An offense reigns supreme in the lives of so many today. But I'm here today to tell you that regardless of how long you have lived with that offense, regardless of how long you've been hurt and been ashamed and been in pain, I am here today to tell you that I have firmly set my confidence in Jesus Christ, that He is not only able to free you from sin, that He's not only able to free you from hurt and guilt and shame, but I'm here to tell you that the liberty that you have in Jesus Christ is so complete that He is able to deliver you from a life of offense and a life of being offended and bitterness and pain and hurt and agony I'm amazed when you begin to look and you begin to see the word of God and everything that it comes I'm not preaching from this book today but but I, I, I want to tell you that if you if you're one of those that says I desperately want to know more I encourage you to go read this book The Bait of Satan by John uh Bevere, I believe is how you pronounce it The Bait of Satan it's amazing it's living free from the deadly trap of offense and so it is that you begin to see. Paul, he, uh, he had some writings about this. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he said, Let no man think of me as a fool, if otherwise yet as a fool receive me, that I might boast of myself a little. He said, That which I speak, I, I'm not speaking as the Lord. Don't, don't, don't think I'm speaking in some spiritual manner. This is just old Paul speaking when I boast. I've watched a lot of people glory after their flesh. Well, I can glory too. Uh, I, 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 if you suffer fools gladly, seeing yourselves are wise. If if you suffer a man to bring you into bondage, a man to devour you, a man to take you, a man to exalt himself, if a man spite you in the face, sp- uh, smite you on the face. I speak as concerning reproach as though we had been weak how be it wherein soever any is bold and again I'm speaking foolishly this is not God speaking this is just old Paul speaking I'm bold also are they Hebrews? I am those people are the Israelites? I am are they seed of Abraham? I am are they ministers of Christ? And I speak as a fool again I'm, I'm just old Paul talking I'm just kind of rambling a little bit I, I've done so much more than The other ministers, and this is, he knows what he's doing. I've had labors more abundant, stripes beyond measure. I've been beat more than you can count. I've been in prisons more frequent, and deaths are are, are almost death. I've had it oftentimes. Of the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes, save one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've swam in the deep trying to get to safety, I've been journeying and offered in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathens, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren. I've been weary, I've been in pain, I've watched often, I've had hunger, I've had thirst, I've fasted, I've been cold, and I've been nakedness, and besides all those things that are without, those that come upon me daily, I bear the care of all the churches." Now, I'm gonna be honest. I, I, I have not gotten many fights in my life, mainly because I've always been the scrawny runt. We we were cleaning out a closet this week, and Zoe found my wife and I's engagement picture and wedding picture, and she goes, "Dad, you look sick." I was five foot eight and a half, five foot nine, weighed 125 pounds when we got engaged, weighed 130 pounds when we got married. And I'm telling you, Zoe said, man, you, you don't look real good. I said, thanks a lot. And, you know, when you're that way and everybody's bigger than you, you just don't pick a fight. I, I had this aversion to being hit. I didn't like it. And, uh, but, but I will tell you that, that if you hit me, I got quite offended. If you pushed on me, I got quite offended. And and, and Paul is talking about all the things. Man, he's beaten with rods three times. He was stoned once. He was, he, he was shipwrecked. And and not only did the church hurt him, but the heathen hurt him, and the Jews hurt him, and the Gentiles hurt him, and you look at all of that. And then he says this in verse 29. Who is weak? And I'm not weak. Who is offended? And I burn not. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities and the God of my Father the Lord Jesus Christ is blessed forevermore and knoweth that I lie not it's interesting that Paul said I'm not offended by all that because if anybody had a right to get on Facebook Paul did Facebook asked Paul what you thinking about today the fact that they beat my head in with sticks yeah you know I went down that local synagogue and I was just trying to tell them about Jesus and they stoned me till I was half dead, and so I left the synagogue. I thought, man, they're, surely they're godly people; they wouldn't hurt me. And I, I went out in the world, and I, I, went to the world, and and the silversmiths tried to kill me. Hey, Paul, what you thinking about today? Ah, oh, just floating in the ocean. <laughs> da dum, da dum. Paul said, "But, but I'm not offended." That's a foreign concept to me. Because even though I I probably have the longest fuse of anybody in this church, I don't don't pop off very easy. Uh, I I have a long fuse. I, I used to walk to the bus stop, and this is not one of those crazy stories. You know, I walked uphill both ways. This is not that. But when I went to school, my bus stop was half a mile away because for whatever reason, the school bus wouldn't come in our subdivision. They finally came after those girls got kidnapped and stuff. They finally decided to come closer. But for a lot of my life, I had to walk a half mile to the school bus. And I remember one of the guys got off the bus and was popping me in the back of the head for that entire half mile. And I I just raised a little bit different. My dad really wasn't a fighter. He didn't teach me to fight too much. And so I just kept walking and kept getting popped. And I got a long fuse, but, you know, it's a foreign concept to say you've done all that and never been offended. Acts chapter 24 and verse 16 says this, And herein do I exercise myself to always have a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. Now I'm going to get spiritual here in a moment, but let me get just very practical. If you want a life free from offense, you've got to exercise it. You've got to exercise Paul says, I didn't come by this naturally. Paul said, I didn't wake up one morning just because I even got the Holy Ghost and all of a sudden everything was hunky-dory and things were good and I was just loving everybody. Paul said, no, no, no. I had to exercise the fact that I had to have a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. Which tells me that some of us Our offense is not towards those around us. But sometimes we direct our offense upwards. And we become offended at Him. So how do you live a life free of offense? How can you get free of that trap? And I know it's a trap. Because I've dealt with it in my life. I've dealt with it in other people's lives. And some of you deal with it on such a daily basis that you can't even function because that offense somewhere got in, you know the, the Bible says, "Uh, uh the, the the Bible." Jesus told the disciples, he said, "He said you gotta forgive people." You know, do we forgive them seven times a day? No, 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 seven times seventy. And so, uh, uh, then you know, a little bit later, he he talks about you you can say to this, you know, you can say this tree be thou removed, cast in the sea. And for one to understand, it's it's what they call a sycamine tree and. And, and there's some incredible things that happen about that, that sycamine tree. And I've preached messages about it. It's not a sycamore tree, it's a sycamine tree. And as far as I can understand, it's a type of a, of a fig tree. But it's not the good fig tree. It's not the fig tree that was so sweet. Those figs were expensive. This was a little bit different. In in my mind, it's the difference between a, a good, you know, Jonathan apple and a crab apple. You ever, you ever anybody ever ate a crab apple? They nasty we have wild plum trees on our property and many of you have gotten some jelly from that and those plums make good jelly only because you do like two cups of juice and five cups of sugar when you make your jelly and anything with that much sugar is going to be good but if you just went out and picked those wild plums they're not near as good, they're sour, they're bitter and the sycamine tree was the same and so what happened was poor people could afford the sycamine uh, figs instead of the good figs and, But you had to do a lot of doctoring To make them palatable One commentator I was reading said You could only eat them a bit at a time You couldn't really chew it You know, just had a, a bite here, set it down And kind of let your eyebrows lower It's amazing how bitterness is like that It just eats away at you and when Jesus was saying, Here's how you got to forgive, and then he, he automatically goes to this tree, what he was talking about, and, and then later on he talks about the root of bitterness, and that sick of mine tree has a deep root that if you try to pull it out, it tends to pull everything out with it. That sycamine, and and I've done a lot of study uh, on this, that sycamine tree was pollinated by a wasp that stings it. It's the weirdest thing in the entire world. It's a parasitic wasp that will sting that fruit. And somehow in stinging that fruit, it changes the structure inside of that fruit. And some of you have been stung by life. And that bitterness begins to shrivel. And that offense begins to to eat away. But I'm going to tell you the answer. David said in Psalms 35 and verse 11 False witnesses did rise me up And they laid to my charge the things that I knew not And they rewarded me for evil And they spoiled my soul Life, David says, look at how many times I've been offended But here's the answer, verse 13 of Psalms 35 But as for me some of you need to get to the point today where you can look back at the life that you've been dealt and you can look and and, and maybe you've carried a ledger you've carried a, a, a little revenge book in your mind if you will this person hurt me this person hurt me and you've got it there and you look at all of that But some of you need to stand today and, 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 and say but as for me when they were sick my clothing was sackcloth I humbled my soul with fasting and my prayer returned to my own bosom and I behaved myself as though he or let me interject it, as though they had been my friend or my brother and I bowed down heavily as one that mourneth for his mother David said when I, when I was hurt I didn't rise up and say let's go Instead, even when they hurt me and then later on I watched them in pain, it was like I was in pain. You say, well, what do you you mean by that? Oh, I'll show you. It's amazing how many words of David are prophetic. Jesus comes around, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43, and he says, you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to him, them that hate you and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute, persecute you that you may be children of your Father which is in heaven. He maketh the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them that love you, what reward do you have? If you salute your brothers only, what more do you have than others? If you want to be perfect, be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Want to be free from offense? I'd love to take, man, I'd love to jump up on this, this this podium and tell you here's all you need to be free from offense. Get the Holy Ghost. It doesn't happen that way. But you remember that little verse in Acts chapter 1, verse 8? But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And I know it goes on to say to be witnesses in the world, Judea, Samaria, uh, Jerusalem, and all the uttermost parts of the world. I understand that. But the Holy Ghost that you received is not just enough for you to go to heaven and it's not just enough so you can witness to your neighbor. But I am convinced that the fullness of His Spirit living in you is such that you can become like Him. You want to be perfect? Be perfect like Jesus is perfect. And He says, I will give you strength to love your enemies and bless them that curse you. Peter said in 1 Peter, and I'm inviting you to stand today for the time past of our life. It may have sufficed us to do the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness and we walked in lust and the excess of wine, and we were we had revilings and banquetings and abominable idolatries. You know, I know there was that time we used to be the sinner. And now your friends, verse 4, think it's strange that you don't run with them in that same excess of riot. And they speak evil of you. Again, just another side of offense. There's some of you that you've been saved and you've been walking with the Lord and your family doesn't understand it and they've made fun of your conversion and they've spoken evil of you. That offense is there. Who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? For this is the cause, was the gospel preached also unto them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Let's tie this back with Jesus. He said, this is how you're going to know the end times are coming. The end is at hand. So be there sober. Watch under prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover a multitude of sins. Again, that word charity, it's not giving money to the panhandler on the street. That word charity means love. Above all, have fervent love. For love shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. I want you to know that love, does, when it says love covers a multitude of sins, this doesn't mean we overlook the sin and we say you can't do any wrong. That's not what this is about. This is not about us saying it doesn't matter what you do. Only the Lord can cover sins like that. Only the Lord can forgive sin like that. But what this means is that if I operate my life with love one for another, operate my life with love for my enemies, then even when my friend, my family, my neighbor, or even my enemy offends me, love Says, I will not be offended. I may be hurt, that's different. I may be hurt. My emotions might be there, my my feelings might be hurt, but I'm not gonna let that offense rise up a bitterness inside of me. Because I am gonna be able to stand before the Lord, as Paul said, and I'm gonna say, I've exercised that I might not live a life of offense. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Paul said, I've been beat, I've been stoned, I've been cursed, on, I've been lied at, I've been shipwrecked. All of, I mean, my goodness, he had, a, he, he had a lot of people he could have been mad at. But Paul had experienced grace on two sides. Because Paul was late to the party. He's walking, or he's on his his horse on the way to Damascus. God knocks him off. Incredible thing happened. Paul's filled with the Holy Ghost. He's baptized in Jesus' name. and The disciples are flipping out. Because he used to put them in prison, and he used to bring them and and, and let them be put to death. But Paul experienced the grace that said, I have every reason to hate your guts. But because God saved me, I've got to love you. And so the children of God, the people of God, the church of God embraced Paul. So Paul now begins to teach and he says this. I have to show that manifold grace of God. Because really, if anybody should ever be offended, God should be offended at me. As much as I may have hurt you or you've hurt me, it compares nothing to how I have hurt God and walked away. And If anybody should write off, if anybody should let bitterness in, if anybody should say, you know what, you've hurt me for the last time, I excommunicate you, I cut you off, the Lord should be the one that does that. But the Lord, rich in His mercy, rich in His grace and His love wherewith He loved us. That even when you and I were yet sinners, even when you and I were yet an enemy of the cross, even when you and I were as far as I could ever be, He died for you. As the old song says, when He was on the cross, I was on His mind. I'm not on His mind as a saved person. I was on His mind as a sinner. And so now... Having experienced that grace, I can stand here today and I can say, Lord, because you live inside of me. I lo- see, see, this goes back to why the Bible says, not only is he in me, but I'm in him. And that's a fullness, of this. And because of that, he gives me power to exercise so that no matter what has happened, I can say, I love you. Now, now don't get me wrong. If you've hurt me, I'm not going to let you hit me again. I'll walk away. But I'm not going to throw you away. Listen to me again. You might hurt me. And I might be a little careful the next time I communicate with you. I'm not going to let you punch me in the face twice. But I'm not going to throw you away. I'm talking to someone right now. as, as, As serious as I've ever talked, serious as I've ever preached, I've let the Word of God do the teaching. It is absolutely possible to live a life free from offense. And there's two ways you do it. Number one, go back to Psalms 35. David said, I fasted. What David said is, I gave that to you, Lord. Remember that verse, cast your cares on him for he cares for you? That's not just the cares of of life, that's also the hurts, it's also the offense give that to him, Lord, this is what happened so and so did this to me Lord, and I can't carry it anymore, so I'm giving it to you they're your child even, Lord you created them and, and I know you didn't create them to do the ignorant thing but Lord, they're your child, and so God, I'm giving it to you, I can't take care of it, I'm giving it to you and then you let the power of almighty God, that love of Christ be in you, that says I can love my enemies and I can pray for those that despitefully use me. Would you bow your head, Father, I preached the best that I know how. But Lord, your word is speaking far greater than I can. Because God, even when my words of human logic and reasoning fail, that word of God is sharper and powerful and quick. It's better than any two-edged sword. It divides asunder the joints and the marrow, and it pierces down into the depths. And I know, I know because I feel it in your spirit, God, your word has pierced the soul of so many of us here today. And it's laid open. No one else sees it, but God, it's laid open, the inward part. And it, it shows the depth of the root of bitterness inside. It shows the depth of offense and scars. But God, I don't want to live just a life free of sin. I want to live a life free of offense too. And so God, I'm praying right now that you not let bitterness and hatred and revenge and, and, and don't, don't let that be what, what governs my life. But Lord, let it be the love of Christ that governs my life. I want to walk as you walked. I want to walk as Paul walked in that freedom. And I give you praise as they begin to sing. I'm open these altars. And I think we all need to take a moment and stop here. I think it would be good if you'd find a place where you could pray for a moment. And now let the word of God speak to you and you alone.